0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. A happy hump day, Scoop Podcast faithful. This is episode 307 on this 22nd of July. The year is 2020. 20 We'll get right to my conversation with Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. I had that conversation early evening yesterday. We talked about him potentially selling the team, something we've talked about with him on this podcast going back a number of years. Heck, it was a number of years ago that it was pretty much a done deal with Steve Kaplan coming in. He would have bought in at 30%, eventually transitioned to majority owner. He, at the time, had a stake in the Memphis Grizzlies. In fact, Steve might still have a stake in the Memphis Grizzlies, but Steve couldn't sell his portion of the Grizzlies. And, frankly, there was some reluctance, my understanding is, on the Taylor slash Wolves end about even welcoming Steve in. So while it got way down the path of being a done deal – Never quite got there, but Glenn has gone down this path a number of times. But I will say, and it's in my first question to him, it does have a different feel. In fact, I will be surprised by the start of next season if there's not a new ownership group in place. Yes, right now I would make the Wilfs the betting favorites. As far as I can tell, there is zero connection between the Wilfs and Kevin Garnett. KG, very vocal both on Instagram and Twitter on Tuesday about his desire to be part of a group that can purchase the Wolves. I don't know who KG has in his corner. KG is not the main money guy. KG has a lot of money. But he doesn't have stupid money. He doesn't have billionaire type money. So KG needs the financial backing of others. Some have suggested a sporting group in China, maybe some others in China, but there's some hurdles with that. I just, I would not make KG a betting favorite at this point. Sure, it's fluid, but I just, I think the Adam Schefter report was pretty telling late on Tuesday about the Wilfs having interest. I think the Wilfs will be incredibly hard to beat as this process goes along. Anyway, here is my conversation from Tuesday early. The evening with glenn taylor you'll hear within the conversation that he alludes to a family having interest that is the Wilf family apologies it didn't hit me at the time i should have had my tentacles further up it didn't hit me at the time that i should have followed up by asking about the will so i didn't ask specifically about the wilfs but the family he alludes to in this conversation is the will so i also asked glenn about malik beasley a couple on the court topics as well here's my conversation from tuesday with glenn taylor what can you offer up in terms of, of the report from, from you know, the, the Sportico people that, that you know, you're interested? I mean, we've talked about this before, Glenn, but it, it seems like maybe it's got a little bit more of a real feel this time of you selling the team.
1: Yeah, I would say the difference is this is just something that came to me. Uh wasn't something that I was out looking for, and uh, these people came to me with uh, – you know, a suggestion that they might get evaluation on on the team, which would help me with my limited partners, which I've been trying to work, uh, find a way to help them uh, sell out and uh, and probably get some um, consistency and you know, and for the future, you know and that I've got to make a decision here sometime or other, maybe this is a possibility. So that uh, that came to me, and, uh, you know, they proposed that they would go out there. They thought they knew some families that might be interested in coming in and buying, and they gave me the list of names of who they were going to contact and keep it, keep it just kind of quiet working with those people, and that's what they've done.
0: But, I mean, you've made it clear, Glenn, that, that any potential owner, ownership group, they have to keep the team here in Minnesota?
1: That's correct.
0: Why is that so important? Because I'm thinking, Glenn, if you wanted to, I think you probably already, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably could have already sold the team, you know, knowing that that, that group then would have moved the team, though.
1: No, I could, you know, it's that even now, lately, there's been some uh, people that said that we were interested but uh, want to move them to uh, some other city and doing so have offered perhaps more money. To do that, but that has never been my interest, and I made it clear that that wasn't an option. And that's why I think it's you know, in some of these things, it's important that I uh, get some of these decisions made now while I'm healthy and and involved.
0: I mean, are there potential buyers? Do you have a sense that there are potential buyers willing that have shown interest that are willing to keep the team right here in Minnesota?
1: Mm, we wouldn't be talking if. <laughs> If that wasn't if that wasn't the case, yes, I have. Uh, we have uh, perhaps four different groups, or seven different groups that uh, have sh- uh, showed a real uh, strong interest in doing all of the things uh, that we were talking about: keeping the team here, you know, building the future, working with this young team. Um, in this particular case, though, it hasn't been anything that i've said each of those uh groups have asked that i would keep a uh, substantial investment in the club
0: okay so i mean is there a scenario where where you're still the majority owner come opening night i guess whenever opening night is sometime in december
1: well i'm just saying i don't know that that's going to happen That's uh, of the people that made an offer that's one of the offers that at least at least one or two of the offers has been that I would keep it. But I think, I think most of the people that are interested are interested in that they will get control of the team.
0: What would this mean potentially, Glenn, for, for guys that, that you're incredibly close with, guys like Ethan Cass and Ryan Tankey, Ryan Saunders, Gerson Rosas? Go up and down the list, right, Glenn? If, if you're no longer the majority owner, a lot of people's futures could be in doubt.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of that, and I think we've taken care of that if that if that happens. But I think that's one of the reasons why I think that uh, I would probably keep some involvement with the club, which would allow the new people to have a chance to meet these people and see you know see how good they are as I see how good they are, and you know certainly my. Uh, goal is to provide opportunity in the future for these people because they have they're very good workers and and they've been very good to me.
0: Then on the links side of things, Glenn. I mean, you know, whoever, if if you end up deciding to sell, I mean, they would also become majority owner of of the links.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I think that it would be the best to try to just keep it together the way we have it because I think we have some efficiencies. And the way we do it of using the two teams together, and I would, anybody who would buy it, I would encourage them to do the same thing.
0: Is there any part of you that says, you know what, with Cat, with Russell, that, that things are finally maybe once again moving in the right direction, that, that why sell? I know what your passion is for, for this team, Glenn. I know what Becky's passion is, that, that even though you're 79, that, that maybe this team can make a serious run here in the next couple of years, that, that maybe you should just
1: hold on to the team? Well, it's sure that it's there, and we haven't even made a decision here yet. But I think we want to look at all of our options and and what's best. It's not only what's best for me, you know. It's best for our fans. It's best for our all the employees. I, I got to look at it, in the in sense that uh, that uh, these people that are employed by this organization are taken care of. So it's it's not an easy decision.
0: Then I think about, right, like, Becky is so passionate, Glenn, and, and other family members are so passionate. What was, what was their reaction when you told them that, that you're at least entertaining? Well, yeah. Yeah. I think
1: we can keep the passion. I think we love this. We love these teams. That I think we can keep the passion. We're pretty good at that.
0: Everything else is well, Glenn. You said you're healthy. I mean, it's, it's such a crazy yeah. time right now, an atypical time. But all things considered, you and your family are doing well?
1: Everybody's healthy, but I, it's times like this that you start thinking about what if. So,
0: Yeah, you're right. Although, you've gone down this path. Like, I thought, was it six years ago, Glenn? Like, I thought it was a done deal. I thought you were selling it to Steve Kaplan.
1: Yeah, well, well you know, I haven't sold it yet. <laughs> all, all that came out today is that I've got a, a group, a professional group, that's working on helping me look at the alternatives.
0: Were you surprised that today's report came out or did you think just with the talks going on that it was inevitable that that you'd have to you know do a few interviews and, and that the news would get out
1: well I we kept it they have done some investigation work they've talked to a number of families we've kept it quiet but you know you'd know on something like this sooner or later and and I think it's uh, it's not bad news. I think it can be very good news if we can find the right right people to build for the future um, I think you know it's good for our our community if uh, they know where we're going over the next uh, 10 years and it's really important because we have in both uh, the links and the Timberwolves we have young teams we've got young management uh, so uh, the future uh, should be very bright.
0: On the links, I mean opening day on Sunday are you excited to see what takes place down there in Brainington? <laughs>
1: Well, I am excited just because of the environment they're going to play in and then, you know, we've uh, uh, made some changes on the team and we'll, we'll see how they, they do. But I talked to Cheryl today and she's uh, excited too about what, what they're going to produce. And uh, like I said, we'll be watching them and yelling together. So.
0: I mean, I think locally a lot of us are excited to see if, if Rachel Bannum can help you guys. Excuse me? I think just locally, with the with the local angle, you know, she's from Lakeville, the former Gopher. I think a lot oh, of us are yeah. excited oh, to see if Rachel, oh, yes, I, I Rachel Bannham can help you guys.
1: Yeah, well, she's got the potential. We saw what she can do. I, I told her, I told her, when I saw her. I said, "Well, let's see if we can get some of that uh, threes and stuff that you had at the U. Uh, bring them on 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 this team." And you know, she just sort of laughed. She said, "I'm here to try." So uh, it should be fun. It's always fun to have uh, somebody like that where you have some history with
0: is kg a potential buyer i mean he's clearly interested he put it out there on instagram today glenn that, that he's interested
1: well i don't you know i don't know he uh i only know what you know and that he said that uh, he would like to be
0: but i mean i don't think he has the money to be the point guy so i mean he would need I, I, he would need
1: the people around him yeah i don't know that so
0: how is carl anthony towns doing glenn
1: well, um, I think he's doing fine. He's gone through a tough year, you know, with his mom and all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, he's out in the community doing things, and and uh, I'm proud of him and, and the things that he's doing. And I have every expectation he'll continue on with that leadership.
0: Do you anticipate Malik Beasley being a relatively easy
1: re-sign?
0: Like, he's restricted, so you have you have the rights. Like, do you think Malik will be
1: back? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would ever use the word easy. You're right. I think yeah. that he's a, a really good player and really complements our team, and and uh, you know, and we'll just see, you know, how, how that all works out.
0: And same with Hernan Gomez.
1: Yeah, the same thing. The same thing. I mean, they're both young guys with lots of potential, and and uh, we'll just have to see.
0: I mean, I'm also, uh, you know, like you guys. Probably we'll have three draft picks, Glenn. Like, I saw the lottery got moved up to August (laughs) 20th. Like, the countdown's on for lottery night.
1: Yeah, I looked at that too. I was saying we're a team with young guys and more young guys coming. So, but I think my management group over there, they're pretty creative. So, we'll wait till uh, that night when we uh, do the drafting and we'll see uh, what they end up with. Uh, But my guess is they'll be creative.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully that creativity involves a trade or two. Like, if, if you end up with a yeah, top three pick, like, trade that pick.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking, too. That's why I use the word creative. I think that they're going to look at what some other teams need and uh, see if they can um, get something to fill some spaces where we need some help.
0: Glenn, thank you. All the best to you and Becky and sure. to your family, and you know this. I'll, I'll try not to be too much of a pain in the butt, but, but I'll bug you as, as news sort of develops.
1: Yeah, thank
0: you. Wolves slash Lynx boss, Glenn Taylor. Meyer Orbach, who has 10% ownership in the Wolves right now, the real estate mogul, his name has been out there, you know, vetting that out. I would be surprised. Put it this way. I would be surprised if he is the lead guy of a group that ends up with ownership i just i would be very very surprised now somebody told me with his east coast ties is he close to the wilfs could he be part of could he be part of the wilfs ownership group that i don't know i'm still figuring out a bunch of different things when it comes to this story so many different angles To this story. I'm just saying, though, I think it happens. I do. For the first time in a long time, you know, I mean, again, Glenn has gone down this path any number of times, sometimes when we haven't even reported it, just because there was never a sense it was actually going to happen. But there is a feeling this time that something will happen. Maybe it's more like September, not August, or maybe it's more like October. But I do think something does happen with Glenn Taylor after many, many years deciding to move on as boss of the Wolves and Lynx. Another Wolves note, Brian Stevenson. He is a well-known public speaker. I've heard so many good things about him when it comes to race relations, building bridges. He was a recent speaker that the Wolves welcomed in virtually. So the Wolves have done a great job the last number of months bringing in speakers to speak to the team virtually virtually. You know robin roberts alex smith dabbo sweeney mayor fry the minneapolis police chief go up and down the list true pedigree and lately it was brian stevenson that wowed the wolves speaking of true pedigree the wild flew him in he spoke to the wild on monday i heard he was fantastic some other notes Louis Thorpe is in Chicago with the Twins. The anticipation is he's on the taxi squad. The catcher Tellus is in Chicago with the Twins. The anticipation is he too is on the taxi squad. So no Ryan Jeffers. The plan a couple days ago was for Byron Buxton to make the trip. I have not verified that Byron is in Chicago. I don't know if he'll be in the lineup on Friday. I told Mackie and Judd late last week that I felt more optimistic about Miguel Sano being in the opening day lineup. I still feel that way. Miguel is on the trip. I see Miguel in the lineup on Friday. Not sure we'll see Byron in the lineup on Friday, but the anticipation is he is not far behind. I don't think we'll see Jake rizzi on the mound on Saturday. I could see a scenario where it's Barrios. Hill, Maeda, you know, some combination of those three. Certainly Barrios on Friday pitching against the White Sox. Then Oda Rizzi pitching next week against the Cardinals. On Wednesday morning, the Vikings wrapping up deals with rookies Justin Jefferson and Troy Dye. A lot of these contracts are mere formalities. Yeah, there's some wiggle room, but it's not like these are hard negotiations. But the Vikings still need to do deals with Danzler, Cleveland, Lynch, Gladney, the late round picks, I mean, there's pretty much zero wiggle room. So the Vikings should have all these rookie deals done by tomorrow when rookies report. Quarterbacks also report some other players, some injured players, guys coming off injury will report tomorrow as well. The majority of the team reporting next Tuesday. No movement quite yet on the Dalvin Cook front, but Alexander Madison is optimistic something happens. Others close to the situation anticipate the Vikings making a new offer soon. So we'll see. We'll continue to track that situation, but there is some optimism behind the scenes. Some teams are starting to reach back out on Everson Griffin. He is one of the better free agents out there. The hope is that Everson reaches a deal with team. By next week, I checked again on the Vikings, I was told, quote, unlikely, never say never, right? He's still out there, but I was told, quote, unlikely of Everson re-signing with the Vikings. Everson, for the time being, remains right here in Minnesota. All right, let me now get to a couple Vikings conversations. James Lynch and Ezra Cleveland are living together. I connected with them outside. I was socially distanced from them. We set up a mic stand, but I connected with them earlier this week for conversations. Let me start with James Lynch, fourth round pick, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, a defensive tackle from Baylor. Here is my conversation from Monday with James Lynch. Then we'll segue to Ezra Cleveland. James, just, what's it been like just navigating this atypical time? Yeah, I mean, like we were just talking about, it's just kind of different. It's a little uh, not normal,
2: but I mean, we've been taught our whole lives to kind of just deal with whatever situation has been uh, brought to us. So uh, just kind of go with the punches and roll with them and just try and find the best way to make the the, or the best out of situations. situation. So for us, it's just find a way to work out and eat and ride and making sure we're ready for whenever our name's called and
0: our time is called to, to go play football. What are your emotions? I mean... Typically, you'd have OTAs, minicamp, you would have gotten your feet wet, you would have gotten an TCO Performance Center. There would still presumably be some nerves heading into to day one, but like, this is just such a weird time. I guess just yeah. take us through your emotions as it's Thursday. I, I guess I just heard Thursday is, is the yeah. reporting day.
2: Um, I mean, it sucks. I mean, you have to wait longer than you wanted to, to get to where you could be with your team and your coaches and all that stuff. But I mean, you still have that kind of that nervous butterflies in your stomach just kind of waiting to meet everyone. and. For me it's just i just want to get back to football so it's pretty simple i mean you're just waiting and like i said just doing the things to make sure you're ready for it so i mean the emotions of it just been kind of not really a roller coaster but it's just been all kind of up and down it's like a year one date then now it gets changed so hopefully everything's set in place and now so we can just kind of get back to work and just start up on everything we need to do
0: is there also an excitement level though that that finally at some point here whether it's friday or saturday or early next week that that you finally get to fulfill that dream of of putting on that NFL uniform? Yeah, of
2: course. I mean, the the reason that I'm here is because I love football and I want to play it. So uh, the chance to get to play it is all that I ever asked for. So for me to have that chance, uh, hopefully soon, is a grateful opportunity. I hope I can take advantage of it. Speaking of great opportunity, why is Mike Zimmer's defense a good fit for you? I mean, before I even was drafted by Minnesota, everyone knew him as a head coach is that he's a defensive minded guy kind of a guru just knows everything he's been around for so long and i have a great defensive line coach and coach dre so for me to have that opportunity to play under them and and just learn and soak up knowledge and around great players that we have on our defense on our team as well so this opportunity as a defensive player like if you're not excited about it you don't really love football so for me it's easy to just be excited about being there and, and
0: being around the guys and the coaches how much have you soaked up just in terms of just even some of the zoom you know team meetings that that you guys have had and and, you know with the defensive line the meetings you've had with with coach patterson going back you know many many weeks
2: yeah i mean obviously it's a little different whenever you come see their face and you kind of can only talk to them but being around some of the guys and hearing the questions they ask and seeing how intelligent everyone is and especially the coaching staff and them being able to talk to us especially the rookies having a little bit of extra meeting time has been crucial for me and and understanding the playbook and just watching the film and then seeing what's expected of us and what's the standard and making sure we meet that standard
0: is it crazy to think everything that's happened in the last year i mean go back just one year i mean you win big 12 defensive player of the year you have this unbelievable year at baylor then just the atypical pre-draft process you get drafted but then the atypicalness continues and then yep. all of a sudden here we go training camp <laughs> we think is going to start but yeah even that like we don't there's really no real know. answer yeah
2: um it's been it's like i said it's like a roller coaster i mean going from especially my freshman year at Baylor we were 1-11 to where I was 11-3 and and had a great season and we had a great team and great coaches there and in the process of going in the NFL is like a, a dream come true for me and being able to experience those things so now we're at this point and like you said it's kind of just waiting on that certain date to where we have a, a date and a time where we can start kind of just getting back into stuff so it's kind of weird and it, it sucks obviously but we're, we're getting close so that's all I can think about just making sure I'm ready for it.
0: Is three technique for, for this defense is that kind of your, your best fit?
2: Yeah, three technique is my bread and butter. I feel like so wherever they put me, I feel comfortable, but whenever I'm at three technique, I feel like I'm going to do better.
0: Where does the gift come from, from being able to get to the quarterback? Um,
2: I would say it's kind of funny. My whole, my whole family's played defense. So for me, I raised in that kind of house of knowing that the quarterback's kind of the prize target of like, you're trying to make sure that they can't do things they want to do. So for me, it's just always been my whole life. It's been put in my head of into the quarterback disrupts everything and as a D lineman you disrupt everything and that's your goal so for me it's just makes it fun I mean uh, that's your goal to do and, and that's your job so doing your job on, on a Saturday or now, and now Sundays is what I plan to do and what I want to do so it's just for me it's just having fun.
0: Why was it important to, to settle here in Minnesota going back whenever you officially moved here versus, I mean, some rookies are flying in like today or tomorrow or yeah. flew in over the weekend.
2: Yeah, I think being here just to get to the lay of the land, I kind of wanted to see where I was going to be and just get used to the weather and work out here a couple of times. And it's kind of, I wanted to experience it before we just got stuck into, into camp because we all know camp's kind of a, not a I I wouldn't say a crime, but you're there a lot of the time, so you don't have much time to experience things. So I wanted to see what the city was and drive around. My dad was here, so I was able to experience that stuff with him. So it was great to be with him and for him to see the stadium and, and our facility and all that stuff it was awesome just to kind of have that moment with him to drive around and, and see where I'm going to
0: be. Where have you been training the last handful of weeks?
2: Um, I've been kind of just doing my own thing, just doing my own workouts and I'll find an open park or something, just do drills or something like that and, and make sure I'm just staying right because I was doing that back when I was in Frisco back in Texas So now that I'm here I'm just still trying to find the same areas to so just make sure I can do that stuff.
0: I mean, how much can you accomplish when, when working out on your own? I mean, with with what Coach Ray's given us in meetings and and what he tells us to do,
2: I mean, I know I'm doing what's expected of us because they they tell us to make sure we're studying and make sure we're we're getting our stuff right. So having him tell us what drills he wants us to practice and all that stuff, it makes it easy for me. I just go out and have to make sure I do it every day.
0: I mean, are there certain things that, that you're focusing in on saying, okay, Here's what worked in the Big 12 but I know I'm I'm going up to the ultimate level here's what I really need to hone in on this offseason?
2: Yeah there's definitely a huge step and I think the biggest thing for me right now is the mental aspect of it is making sure I have everything down so I don't think I I can just play so whenever camp starts I don't have to worry about thinking about what I'm going to do so for me right now obviously focusing on everything I'm not just doing one thing or the other but I think the mental aspect is the biggest part for me right now. What's it like bunking up with Ezra? (laughs) <laughs> well, we we train for the combine and stuff together, so we already lived together before this, but um, being with him, it makes it a little bit easier, and it's going to be kind of funny during camp, We'll uh, kind of be enemies, or whatever it is, but it'll be fun, so it'll be a little competition, so it it's something to look forward to, I think, so it's going to be exciting.
0: You say competition, but, I mean, can you learn from each other? Can you bounce oh, things yeah. off of each other?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, he'll be in the O-line room, we will be in the D-line room, so we'll hear all different types of things, and what we see, and what they see, and stuff like that, so we'll be able to help each other out, I feel like, a lot.
0: Do you feel like, you know, looking at that defensive line and talking about the three technique that? that there is ample opportunity there to, to earn snaps right away and, and be right next to, to a big presence in Michael Pierce?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the end goal is you, you want to play. And, and for me, all I know is I can just control what I can control, and that's myself. So for me, just making sure I'm ready and setting the playbook and making sure I'm physically ready and, and just trying to do my thing and having fun out there and then whatever happens, happens. So for me, it's obviously I want to play, but I want the team to win. So whatever, whatever that means, if I deserve some water, I don't really care. I just want to make sure we're winning this year. Do you have any safety concerns? Uh, honestly, no. I mean, I think that we're gonna find the, the right way to, to do this stuff and then as we go, we'll find out what's gonna cause the problems or whatever. I, to be honest, I'm not really an expert on it, so there's people above me that are way smarter than me and, and whatever they tell me, I'm just gonna listen to them and, and do the best I can to make sure I'm being safe.
0: I mean, is there a sense too that, that so much planning has gone into what camp will look like that, that in many ways like, that's about as safe an environment as, as you could probably be in, especially with you being tested, what is it, every other day? Yeah, I mean, to,
2: I don't know the exact uh, testing stuff that we're exactly going to do, but I do know that they're trying to look into it a lot, and they've been doing a lot of research on it. So whatever they put us in is going to be the best spot we can be in. So I know we're not going to put us in uh, a
0: terrible spot. So I'm not worried about it. I just want to go play football, honestly. You're looking forward to that moment? I mean, the contracts are pretty standard, but just putting pen to paper and officially signing that contract? Yeah, of course. I mean, and not really
2: the, the money part of it, just being able to say I'm, like, truly a part of the Minnesota Vikings. And it's kind of been a dream, obviously, putting the NFL on a team like this. So being able to do that for my family and, and for me, myself, just for the love of the game, just being able to say I'm, I'm part of the NFL team was obviously kind of just a kid's dream. So for me, I'm living out kind of a, a fantasy.
0: Vikings rookie defensive tackle James Lynch. The news came out after my conversation with James that the Vikings, along with, heck, every team, every player, will be tested daily the first couple weeks of camp. So that was very important for the players to get that passed and sorted through and all that because that is going to be incredibly expensive. But, yeah, I mean, based on the video the Vikings sent us, talking to Eric Sugarman, the Vikings trainer, who's also their COVID-19 point person, He did a Zoom call with a bunch of us on Monday. I mean, the Vikings are on top of it. All you need to know is they brought Peter King to town for a national story last week. So the Vikings feel really good about where they are at in terms of keeping guys safe. The issue will be when guys leave TCO Performance Center, you can't just confine them to their houses or to their apartments. They inevitably will go out even just to go grab a bite to eat. So. You know, can you protect them if if they're going out? Hopefully they just make wise decisions, wear masks, socially distance from others and all that. But, yeah, I can just tell you TCO Performance Center is going to be incredibly safe. I don't foresee guys getting the virus there. If guys test positive, it'll be because of actions outside of that bubble, that, you know, quote-unquote bubble. In Egan. All right, here's my conversation with Vikings second-round pick. Their future left tackle won't be this year. Looks like Riley Reef is the guy this year, although could Riley end up shifting inside at some point? I don't know if that's going to happen at least early, but Ezra Cleveland was taken 58th overall in the second round by the Vikings because he is going to be their left tackle at some point early on, could he play some guard? Is he just the main backup? That remains to be seen. But here's my conversation with Vikings offensive lineman, the rookie Ezra Cleveland. Ezra, as you're days away from, from reporting to your first training camp, just take me through your emotions. You know,
3: it's it's kind of exciting, but also nerve-wracking at the same time. Uh, it's exciting because, um, you know, we're finally – going to get the chance to play football again and, you know, meet everyone, but it's also nerve wracking because you don't know what to expect in terms of COVID and in terms of what's going, what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, uh, um, training caps is going to be a little different, uh, with the whole COVID thing. You don't know the rules and the, the best you can do is just follow what they give you and, you know, just go with the bunches.
0: And just control what you can control. I mean, sort of the motto of, it's easier to stay ready than to get ready. So, you know, your your motto is, "Hey, I may as well be ready, uh, assuming that, that there is going to be a camp."
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I moved here to Minnesota a few weeks ago so I could, you know, get acclimated to the weather and start working out with the guys and getting to know them. And I've been I've been doing a uh, uh, field training, field drills and stuff, and weightlifting. So, like you said, I could stay ready and stay stay sharp. You've been out to Woodbury High School with all those offensive guys. Yep. What are
0: those workouts like?
3: They've definitely been different. Uh, back home in Washington, I was just working out with my high school buddies. And his um, his garage, because all the gyms and stuff are closed due to COVID. And then we'd go out to the local high school field and do some drills and stuff. But being with offensive linemen and you know the high caliber players that we have on, on the Minnesota Vikings, uh, it's just been different. Just the workouts that we get are, are different than what I
0: could come up with at home. And who's all there? I know Garrett's there. You're there, I know J.C. Hassenauer plays I think for the Steelers now, is there, who are the other offensive linemen there? A.C.
3: there, and Drew uh, Samia's is there also, um, I, Brian O'Neill was there, but I think he went on a uh, vacation or something before um, I could
0: get there, and so was uh, Dakota uh, Dozier. So I mean, just good, I mean that's a lot of guys, so just to build that. That cohesiveness. I mean, you know, we talk about offensive line, you know, kind of the five of you playing as one. I would imagine getting that timing with those guys is super beneficial.
3: Yeah, that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to get a house and move over here as soon as possible because like I said, I was working out with uh, my high school buddies and stuff like that. I wanted to get over here and start and get to know the guys and hang out with them and go out to eat and hang out with them outside of workouts as well and uh, just get to know them like you said. How good of a situation is this for you? The whole Minnesota Vikings are moving here early.
0: Uh, the Vikings, just you know, when when they targeted you, they ended up getting you. I don't think a lot of us thought maybe you'd get to that point, but you got to them, and I mean they're they're super excited behind the scenes. You yeah. know, I don't know if you're gonna play right away at left tackle. You're gonna you know sit a little bit, but. Presumably, you're the you're the starting future left tackle. So, I mean, a lot of people over at TCO Performance Center, I know, Ezra, are super excited about you.
3: Uh, it's a really good uh, opportunity for me. Um, their offense kind of mirrors what we did at Boise. Their big zone zone offense, and you know that was our bread and butter at Boise. So, uh, with this off season and COVID and not being able to be in the building and stuff, it's it's nice to have that experience uh, from Boise with that zone offense, so I can come in and kind of apply what I already know from Boise to the Minnesota Vikings uh, offense and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not as far behind as, uh, you know, some might be uh, due to that experience that I'm carrying over, but I mean, you never know.
0: I mean, is the mindset that you're going to compete, that, that your hope is, well, first off, you hope that there's a season, but if there's a season, that week one, you can earn a starting job?
3: I mean, that's, uh, the goal is to, you know, eventually play, but um, it doesn't matter where I play, I'll play wherever I, wherever the team needs me. Attack guard or tackle or whatever, and you know we're all going to work as hard as possible, and you know the best the best five players are going to play. When you say guard, I mean is guard a
0: possibility? Like I've always just thought of you as a tackle.
3: Uh, I have no idea. That's how they coach Zinn and, and Rico. But uh, like I said, I'm going to play wherever I need to play and wherever they need
0: wherever they need me. I mean, would you feel comfortable if they said, "Hey, we want to get you some reps here early in camp at, let's say, left guard"? Would you be comfortable with that? Yeah, I like to think of myself as a team
3: player. Um, left guard right guard right tackle left tackle i'll play like i said i'll play wherever
0: i'm needed what's it been like have you been able to lean on riley reef even if it's just been via zoom calls i mean think about all his experience at the left tackle position
3: yeah when we're doing zoom meetings uh we did a segment where the vets would kind of teach us what they thought about uh, certain plays and how they went through it mentally and just being able to listen to to all them and the way that they go about just different plays it definitely helped a lot instead of just hearing from you know rico and uh hearing how he goes through the plays and the calls and stuff we got to we got to hear from the vets and their they're just uh their process when they line up on the ball and they told us what we, what they saw and stuff through film so that, that was definitely
0: helpful also helpful to lean on somebody that, that you're close to and alexander madison
3: yeah alex has helped a lot uh, Moving down here, he told me that they were working out and stuff, so he was one of the big reasons why I wanted to move down here. Um, I wouldn't have known about the workouts and stuff if it wasn't for him. And uh, we've hung out quite a bit since we've been here. Uh, We just went to Costco the other day. He's never been there, so I brought him there. He he was amazed, so that that was a really cool experience.
0: I mean, was he, like, the first phone call or first text? I mean, after the news was official, the Vikings end up selecting you? Like. Oh, were you in constant contact, right? You know, from the get-go.
3: Yeah, from day one we were talking. You know, round one, we were talking the whole time. Uh, when it got to pick twenty-one, the, you know, that was Vikings' first uh, first pick, and we were like, "Oh, it could happen right here. It could happen right here." And then day two came around, and I was like, "Dude, you're the first person I'm gonna text if I get drafted the Vikings." And I remember they called me, and uh, yeah, they called me, and I they uh, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna pick you," and then they they hung up because they were gonna call me back again and I instantly texted Alex. I was like, oh, I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming to Minnesota with you. And it was, just, it was just a cool experience. Are you excited to see what sort of leap he takes in year two? Oh, 100%. Um, the drastic leap he took from college to, to the NFL le- level is already, is already drastic enough. Um, in college, he was a really good downhill back, but it, it just took an extra step when he got here to the
0: NFL. Do you think you missed much? I mean, you said that you know, based on the offense you guys ran in Boise, that that you're prepared it's there, there are similarities but just not getting those reps ota you know sessions and, and mini camp do you feel like you missed anything uh
3: you know we we didn't have otas like you said so we definitely did miss that but everyone's in the same boat all the rookies you know none of them had otas or anything so in terms of behind i wouldn't say that because everyone's you know like i said the same but fortunately we had some rookie camps and st- like a little off the field. Things that we did together, ran through some plays, so you got to hear like the cadences and stuff. So, I wouldn't say far behind, but definitely set back a little bit without the whole
0: OTA aspect. That was in June, right? I think at Woodbury High School, it was like all you guys on the offense, right? Uh, I believe it was June. I, I flew over here for for a week.
3: I found I was came over here for that uh, the little camp, and then I uh, was trying to look for some houses so I could move down here as, as soon as possible.
0: During those three or four days, I mean, was it predominantly you playing tackle? No, actually, those those three days,
3: I I was taking all the reps besides uh, besides center. I think I played every position besides center. So just just trying to get the uh, the different aspects and uh, points of views uh, during the plays. So um, at right tackle, you're getting a different, you know, a different rep than left tackle running the same play. So just getting those reps and stuff, just helping. Uh, Build a football IQ and just getting to know the plays in, uh, inside and inside out.
1: How
0: much have you gotten to know Kirk Cousins?
3: I've I talked to him when I got drafted and then I talked to him a little bit here um, when I came down for that little camp. He hasn't been around uh, since then, but uh, he's a good guy and I look forward to you know getting to know him a lot more.
0: You also looking forward to getting to know Dalvin Cook a lot more. I mean, you know we talk about that one-two punch him and Alexander, but. Dalvin as just a one punch. I mean, about as good as it gets in the NFL.
3: Yeah, Dalvin's a really good back, but um, I look forward to meeting everyone, honestly. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, I just want to get to the uh, facility and meet all the guys and get in the locker room with them and build that chemistry that uh, the team needs.
0: Along the same lines that I asked James, I mean, are you just looking forward to officially putting pen to paper, signing that contract?
3: Yeah, 100%. Uh, And it's not in the money aspect or anything like that. It's just finally officially being on an NFL team and, you know, a dream coming true of
0: being on the NFL team. It's just crazy. And uh, what I asked James too, I mean, safety concerns, health concerns, do they exist? Uh, for me, no, not really. I know
3: we're in good hands no matter what happens. They they have our, our interest in mind and whatever they do is gonna be in our best interest. So.
0: so is it more just butterflies, just normal anxiety heading into later this week, your first NFL training camp?
3: I wouldn't say normal anxiety. Um, but it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely there. Uh, I was just talking to James yesterday. It was like, uh, we didn't know what was happening if, like uh, a week ago. And it was like, it was kind of like we're on vacation. We're just working out, hanging out. But now that we have a set date that we're going to show up, it's kind of like the butterflies are building as we get to the date. So when we get closer and closer, the anxiety is going to grow. And it's just going to be there. And we're just going to have to deal with it.
0: Vikings rookie offensive lineman Ezra Cleveland. Some notes to wrap up here. The Wolves had 10 more players. Some guys are carryovers from a couple weeks ago, but the Wolves had 10 players at Mayo Clinic Square this week for summer workouts if you listen to this podcast you heard on episode 306 last week that there was a very good chance I alluded to the gophers losing out on another recruit gophers men's basketball and you're going to lose recruits I mean everybody loses recruits it's magnified more when you're the only division one program in the state that this state produces so many good players but that player was Kendall brown it's not a surprise that he turned down the gophers I think if there's any surprise it was that he turned down Kansas said yes to Baylor. Jared Nunes, former Hopkins high school star, played at Valpo. Jared is on the staff there of Scott Drews in Waco, Texas at Baylor. He is kicking serious, butt. got Dane Danger down there from Park Center, helped get Freddie Gillespie, who had a recent interview with the Timberwolves, was a good player the last couple years for Baylor. Got Nuni Omat down there. Jared is an excellent recruiter. I just wish at some point along the way Richard Patino could have found a way to hire Jared. I think Jared should be working here in his home state. That's just my humble opinion. But yeah, great work landing Kendall Brown, a top 25 player in the country in the class of 2021. Played at Eastridge High School. He's not at a prep school in Kansas. But yeah, no surprise whatsoever. The Gophers never came even remotely close to landing Kendall Brown. On the football side, the Gophers in an ideal world would have landed J.D. Spielman, but it just, it sounds like, and we talked about this going back many podcasts, when he first announced he was leaving Nebraska, the former Eden Prairie star, the son of Vikings GM Rick Spielman. It just, it wasn't going to happen with the Gophers. Frankly, it wasn't going to happen with any Big Ten school, but he lands at TCU where Jerry Kill is and he gets a waiver, I'm told, to play immediately. So good situation. Jalen Rieger is out. Think about how TCU used Rieger last year. Ends up being a first round pick. Yeah, he runs the the blazing forty. But JD could be what Jalen Rieger was last year. So good spot for JD. Yeah, there was mutual interest. JD in playing for the Gophers, the Gophers in having JD. But right from the get go, we just we knew behind the scenes it wasn't going to happen. The Gophers have reached out on Eric Wilson, former Benilde St. Margaret's offensive lineman. He is a transfer from Harvard. So the Gophers have interest in the Harvard transfer, Eric Wilson. They also have interest, this gentleman tweeted the news, Tony Fields, really good linebacker from the University of Arizona, a grad transfer. So he would be eligible immediately. That's assuming we have a college football season, which might be You know, pretty darn presumptuous. I don't know if we're going to have a college football season, but if there was to be a season, wherever Tony Fields lands, he is eligible to play right away. Started every game the last three years for Arizona. He is an NFL player. I texted with an NFL scout friend of mine. He said, Fields is an NFL player. So whoever lands him, pretty much everybody in the country wants him. Texas, just go up and down the list. Everybody wants Fields. So it's not surprising that the Gophers reached out. We'll see if if they, you know, make his final five or whatever it is. But, yeah, Tony Fields is a phenomenal player. Jolice Chassin, the former Twins pitcher, signed this week a major league deal with the Atlanta Braves. Five teams had varying levels of interest in Chassin. He had one other major league golfer, but looking at the two major league golfers, he just looked at Atlanta, good team, good situation. He has experience in the National League. It was a pretty easy decision. So, Jolice Chassin, the former Twin is now an Atlanta Brave. All right, we are done. That does it on this Wednesday early afternoon, late morning, early afternoon on the 22nd of July. We are done. Scoop Podcast 307 is in the books. Stay safe. Stay sane.